and welcome to Overthinking and Overtalking, a podcast about two sisters and life experiences, with me, Barney Knight, and my sister, Karis Knight. We will be talking about issues that affect us all, from mental health to everyday women who inspire us and everything gritty in between. We'd love to hear from you, the listener, with any topics you would like us to discuss, any questions on previous episodes or stories you would like to share. Our email is overthinkingovertalking at gmail.com or DM us on Insta at overthinking underscore overtalking. So a brief introduction to us. I'm Bryony, I'm 35, a single mum to a nine-year-old. I also have four cats, so literally the crazy cat lady. I have a lovely plethora of mental health issues such as generalised anxiety disorder, depression and agoraphobia, although the lockdown has actually helped with the latter as now I just want to get out of my house. And I'm Karis, I'm 31, I work as a full-time dental nurse. Last year, me and my partner bought a house that we are currently renovating, suffered with anxiety and depression for as far back as I can remember. I'm someone who speaks their mind, loves a debate and likes to be challenged, even though my anxiety can make that hard at times. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about anxiety. As we've mentioned before, we both suffer from this, so we're going to be talking about how it affects our lives, the triggers we have and how it affects those around us. To start with... I don't like the word triggers. Oh, here we go. Purely because I don't have a huge amount of triggers. Obviously, I do because I suffer with social anxiety. So social events, um, things where there's going to be a lot of people that I don't know or just a select few people that I do know, but I don't, you know, I'm not overly comfortable that they're going to stick with me or anything like that. But sometimes I can just wake up in the morning and be overly anxious. So it kind of gets to me when people are like oh what's triggered your anxiety today when i've said oh i'm feeling a bit anxious today they'll go oh what's triggered you and i'm like nothing i i woke up anxious and it then plays with my mind and and makes my anxiety go into overdrive because then my anxiety plays it off as well there's something wrong with you because actually everybody's saying the same you should have a trigger where's your trigger what's triggered me Ooh, you know so yeah, like it kind of all feeds into it, into it, doesn't it? Because, you know, are you then you're not you're then thinking, am I not a normal anxious person because I don't have a specific trigger today because I've just sort of woken up anxious and you know with our the way our sort of like anxious brain then works, it starts attacking you even more because you're not the norm anxious person because you haven't necessarily been triggered by anything you've just woken up and you're anxious that day so then it feeds into your brain and then your brain starts thinking oh am I not normal or should like is there something wrong with me have I got like some other like form of like something do you know what I mean like it all sort of feeds into each other and then it just spirals into just a crazy ball of anxiousness anxiousness um yeah but you you have more triggers than I do don't you I mean, yeah, I I do, like, the same as you, I can wake up one morning and just be anxious for no reason, but I do find, I use the phrase triggers because I do find there are certain areas and aspects in my life that will trigger me to be more anxious than others. So, for example, certain shops that I don't like going in, um, if I was to meet friends in a pub or somewhere like that, if they'd have to meet me outside I'd have they'd have to come to the toilet with me they'd have to come to the bar with me because that just sets me off and I'd just be too anxious to do it I'd just be a nervous wreck in the corner (laughs) so before we go any further we'll talk about how long we both think we've suffered with anxiety and and go into the history of it a bit so how long do you think you've suffered I think I've suffered all my life um looking back when I was a kid, you know, my parents, you know, 
God love them. Our parents. Our parents. No, they're just just my parents, Ah, actually. I see. I own them. Um, (laughs) No, our parents would put up... What I I think was anxiety from the offset as just me being shy. Like, I didn't... I'd hide behind my dad if we were in social situations or things like that. I didn't, like, uh, talking to other adults or other people. I mean, that might just be a kid thing, but... I would always be scared of going places or doing things and especially going to places that I didn't know or hadn't been before. So I think I've always suffered from it. But, you know, back then it wasn't really something that was talked about or noticed or it was just put down to, you know, shyness or like a personality thing. I completely agree. I think from the off, I've, you know, as far back as I can remember, I've always felt this way. It was definitely played down. As kids, I was always told I was shy, you know, oh, it's just Karis, you know, doesn't like doing certain things and, you know, and actually sometimes it could be played off as like, well, you know, temper tantrums and stuff because you don't want to do that because it's making you feel unsettled and things like that. And I think there wasn't a huge mac- um, a huge amount of diagnosis back then. And people, like you said, people don't talk about it, didn't talk about it then do talk about it more now so it can be more recognized now in children or young adults and things like that but I definitely think I've suffered with it my entire life as far back as I can remember I've always felt this way in certain situations especially social ones yeah I mean for me there's an example that I've always had like I always thought that you were didn't suffer as much as I did in a way because I thought that you seemed a lot stronger because remember when we were kids we used to go to McDonald's Mm -hmm. and I used to make you go up to the counter and things because I wouldn't do it I mean that's anxiety isn't it well yeah and I think and we've discussed this before just me and you that actually I think you made my anxiety less because you as the older sister used to force me to go and do the things that I didn't want to do that I didn't want to go to up to the counter of McDonald's and order, but I knew you 100% weren't going to, you were more strong-willed. With staff. Yeah. <laughs> you were more strong-willed then in saying, no, I don't want to do that, it makes me uncomfortable, I don't want to do it, blah, blah, blah. Whereas it pushed me, and I actually think, in a way, that has helped me push through a lot, because you made me as a child push through it, so now as an adult, that's something I can do, that's something I can push forward with. Which I think is a good way to then talk about coping mechanisms and how we deal with our anxiety. So for me personally, I I will give myself some anxiety time. I will let it, you know, take over or ride the wave of anxiety. And then I'll have a bit of a word with myself and, and usually can pull myself out of it. Sometimes it can be days that it takes me to do that. Sometimes it can be hours. Um, the other thing I've done to help actually started in the pandemic. I was not sleeping very well. I didn't, you know, in lockdown, I was, you know, we didn't work. We were sitting at home all the time. I had all this pent up energy and I just couldn't sleep. So I started Couch to 5K, which I didn't think would help at all. I didn't think I was a runner. I didn't think I'd ever be fit enough to run. Couch to 5K is great. This is not a plug. I just really like it. (laughs) But um, running has really actually helped me with my anxiety as well when I'm feeling a bit anxious and stuff sometimes going for a nice long run or even just a walk or anything like that can really help you sort through because you're on your own you've got either listening to a podcast or you're got your music blaring and you just you're there on your own sorting through your own mess even if you're not thinking about anything it does help and I've found that as a really good coping mechanism yeah I 100% agree with you um running is a great coping mechanism I'm just too goddamn lazy (laughs) I do love running I just really wish I had the motivation to actually do it (laughs) 
But for me, my coping mechanism has always been control. So if I can control, like I said before, with going to the pub with my friends or whatever, they'd have to meet me outside, they have to come with me to the bar, they have, like, I have to know where things are. It's all about controlling my environment and the situation around me, and that makes it easier in my head. I've always been a planner, very organised as well. I like everything in its place, and that just helps my brain calm down a little bit and just be a little bit quieter if I can control the situation. Unfortunately, during the pandemic, that control got completely taken away yeah, yeah. and I was very, very anxious, especially at the start because it, because everything was just going crazy. The rules were changing left, right and centre and it was all just like, I don't know where I'm coming or going. I've got no control over the situation. I couldn't go to uni anymore, so I didn't have that. I didn't have like a structure or anything really. Um, I was still doing learning at home, but you know, I had a kid at home as well, so it was all just completely chaotic. So, you know the control was taken away from me so that made my anxiety a million times worse because I had literally no control over my situation. Another coping mechanism that I do use as well is if I'm really bad I will just lock myself away. And a lot I think a lot of people do that and I and I think some people think, oh, you shouldn't do that. You should you know, there's this whole thing of you should talk about it. But sometimes that's not what you need. No. You know, not everybody wants to talk about it in that moment, you know. It makes it worse for me sometimes. Yeah. If I'm really, really bad, talking about it just makes me even worse. See, with me, sometimes talking about it really helps me through it, helps me sort it. Like, sometimes I'll come to you, for example, and say, is this my anxiety getting in the way of this, or am I being unreasonable? Because sometimes it's hard to see the wood from the trees. She's usually just being unreasonable. No. <laughs> but it helps me sort through because somebody else's outside perspective, like, you know, you're having a disagreement with your partner and you think, is that my anxiety talking or am I being unreasonable to that yeah. person? I'll come to you, tell you the situation, you'll go either, yes, you're completely in the right, you should totally be punishing him for whatever it is he's done, <laughs> or... It's the other way around. It's, Karis, you need to have a word with Phil. You're being absolutely a nutter. You need to calm down, go and apologise to him and get over yourself. But, you know, that is another coping mechanism as well, I guess, is is you either can talk about it or you can't talk about it or you wait until there's a time where you've sorted through it enough in your own head that you can then talk about it. And I do agree with the whole message of pushing for people to talk about their mental health. Oh, absolutely. But knowing... <clears throat> your friends or anything like that knowing when to and and not to is is the hardest minefield to navigate i think sometimes i think you know it's it's different for everyone and everyone's different and i think it's just how you feel at the time you've just got to go with how you feel at the time if you feel like talking about it talk about it if you don't feel like talking about it don't talk about it and just you've got to do what's right for you exactly at the end of the day just about <laughs> to say you got to do what's right for you Great but it's, yeah it's true do you think um, mental health issues, for example, running in people's DNA. Do you believe that that can contribute to how people grow up? And you know, does that have any effect on anybody? Oh yeah, I hundred percent think that um, mental health issues run in families. Um, for example, us. You know, we ha our mother uh, suffered from the depression when we were younger, and we saw that. And and like I said, you know, from a very early age, I think we both suffered from anxiety. Um, so yeah, I definitely think it runs in families and I think it's something that going forward for me is personally, it's something that I need to keep an eye on for my own child. 
and you know it's something that I'm going to be aware of that he might suffer from some of the same sort of things that I've suffered from and you know and I think as a society and as a you know if you if you do suffer if if, it's, if there's any mental health problems in your family and you or you suffer yourself or whatever it's something that you've got to be aware of that that may sort of lead on to to your own children I agree I, de- I definitely think it can I don't not necessarily in DNA but I think it can definitely affect you growing up or anything like that. And I definitely think mum having depression had an influence on us. Well, you're maybe, a product of your environment sometimes, well, I think. Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, like you said, you're a product of your environment. So I, I thought from the off anyway, we would both suffer with depression because mum was depressed. And, and we both do have depression, which we'll come on to on a later episode. But... I definitely think the anxiety thing was within us from day dot. Mm. I think it's something that was just our brains are wired differently to everybody else. It's not a bad thing. It's not a good thing. It's one of those things that just happens. Absolutely. 100% agree. So leading on from that, do you think that your mental health affects your parenting? I mean... I try not to let it do obviously um I don't want I try and sort of especially when he was younger try and sort of hide that part of myself um from him because a I don't want him to see me in a sort of like emotional heightened state or in a state of panic or anything because that's not nice for anyone to see especially a child because they don't understand it but also you know like we were saying you're a product of your environment I don't want him to sort of not normalize it but sort of take that in and maybe that affects him later on in life too but as he's getting older it's it's kind of becoming a lot harder to to hide that part um you know especially for an example um I'll be picking him up from school or taking him to school and he'll be shouting and waving to his friends and I'm like oh no don't do that because I don't like drawing attention to myself so I've had to sort of try and keep that bit back and try not to do that but it's it's really difficult when you know it's not so much if if I'm in a good mood and my anxiety is low and I'm not feeling anxious it's not so much of it it's not an issue but if I'm feeling really bad and you know especially for me sort of doing the school runs I find I find quite traumatic sometimes because it's so busy it's so hectic there's people all over the place you know especially Mm. now with the pandemic you know disease everywhere (laughs) (laughs) so you know I don't I try and sort of get in and out as quickly as I can but yeah um there have been times where you know it's really shown and I've had to sort of explain to him now that you know I I am I have anxiety I'm anxious about things you know because sometimes you know we'll go to the shop or something and I'm getting really panicked about it and he's like what's going on what's what's the issue well he doesn't say what's the issue because he's not an adult (laughs) he's just like but he's like what's wrong mummy and so I sort of have to explain to him I'm anxious but he doesn't you know I don't go in depth I don't go into the nitty gritty and you know explain all of it but I sort of just say to him oh you know I suffer from anxiety you know you sort of learn what that is when you get older but I find you know certain things difficult sometimes and and I have to take my time with them but that yours your anxiety is more physical than mine is yeah so Mine, for example, I could be having the worst anxiety attack of my life and you'll never know because my resting bitch face completely just Hides takes it, over and hides it. it. Yeah. 
So for me, I don't have many physical attributes of anxiety that you'd be able to see. The only real physicality I have would be the insomnia because when I'm anxious, you know, I've not always been a great sleeper anyway, as we've said in the past, but um, it definitely is worse when I'm anxious. When I'm anxious, I can go for a 24 hour period and not, not sleep at all. Um, but you're, you suffer more with like the physical side effects of anxiety, don't you? So like he's able to see that more and that's why you, I suppose that's why you feel you need to explain it more to him. Cause I suppose with me, you wouldn't be able to see it as much with yours. Yours is more physical. Yeah. I mean, you can kind of see it. I mean, my friends are prime examples of it. They, they can just take one look at me and they're like, are you all right? And I'm like, no. Well, as no. well, you, a lot of it, you physically shake yeah. when you're really, when it's really bad. Like, you can see it in you, your hand shakes, you know, even to the point where your whole, your shoulders will shake. You know, you are definitely more the physical, you see the physicality in you of it. Yeah, I mean, it takes over my whole body sometimes. Um, you know, I do suffer from panic attacks and, um, you know, I end up, crying hysterically hyperventilating like you said shaking and just uncontrollably and I can't I can't do anything about it and it, yeah it is very physical and it is you know it's very debilitating because you can't you can't like stop it from happening even though you know that it's not it's not really that bad like the thing that you're going to do is not really that bad but it just like my I don't know what happens it just takes it just takes over my whole body and I can't do anything about it you know I can remember a time where all I had to do was go to the shop and get some cat food now all day long I've been battling myself because I knew I knew I had to get this cat food because my cats were going to starve to death if I didn't I had no Not cat food quite starved to death but they <laughs> but would they be needed, very hungry they needed some well yeah they'd be eating my food they needed some cat food and it had taken me all day and I'd gotten to the point where I had to go. I had to. It was the time, you know, I'd waited all day to try and calm myself down and get out the door. I just couldn't. Every time I went to my front door, I just started panicking, crying and like just shaking. And, you know, I, I phoned you up. Yeah. Absolutely hysterical. You did manage to calm me down and talk me down. Talk you off the <laughs> Talk me off the shaky, like, crying, like, rocking in a corner, <laughs> like, you know. I do, you do remember you just sort of saying, just go to the door. And I'd just go to the door and just freak out and run back upstairs and be like, no, I can't do it. I don't know what to do. I need to get this bloody cat food. Like, it was just crazy. And then I did it. I came home. I went, oh, what the fuck was that all about? Yeah. But that's it and and I think another thing to cover importantly is that you said you know your panic attacks are physical you mm. hysterically cry you shake it you know made you vomit in the past yes you know whereas I do suffer with panic attacks you just never know yeah because they are all internal right? yep silent I'm in complete shutdown if I'm having a, a panic attack you may never see it on my face but I will not take in anything anybody said you know, all I can think about is breathe, breathe. Yeah. Because if I don't, I feel like I'll pass out. Pass out, yeah. You know, so, and I think that's another big thing about sort of the society type of things. Everybody says, well, you don't look like you're having a panic attack. Oh, I hate that. 
because it's you know most of the time with yours you see it you're the tip you know you're the typical wish you didn't <laughs> you know the textbook you look it up in the dictionary panic attack you know shaking sweating vomiting all of that whereas me. a lot of people and i think more these days panic so internally but you'd mm. never see it you'd never know because that person could just be sitting on the sofa watching the telly and then but you don't know they're having a panic attack yeah and I think that's really important to talk about because I think a lot of people, and we covered this earlier, is a lot of people say, you know, oh, what's your trigger? And oh, well, you don't look like you're having a panic attack. And that can be, that can be upsetting and, and more, up, you know, more triggering as such because, you know, again, it, that you then internalise it and make it, you know, all like, well, I'm not normal. You're not the norm, not, yeah. yeah. You're not normal. You're yeah. not a normal anxious person, so you can't be anxious. Do you think then that um, your mental health affects others around you? You know, you've spoken a little bit about your son, but um, do you think it affects how you are with friends, partners, anything Well, I'm single, so, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, for me, I have great friends around me. Um, They don't really suffer from anxiety or anything like that. I mean, everyone's sort of on the spectrum a little bit anyway, but they but they understand it. They're really, really good. Um, they'll help me a lot. They'll go to the bar. They'll order me food. They'll buy me bus tickets. They'll, you know, they'll do whatever it takes to to help me to do things, which is great. Also, sometimes I wish they'd kind of push me to do my own thing, but then it's the flip side of, you know... Nothing w- would ever get done. No, well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But they are great, and they, they do have some really, really good people around me. How about you? Well, I think I pick and choose who... No, I rephrase that. It does affect those people around me. It affects everybody that I come into an interaction with because that is how it works. But I think with friends, it's it's harder with friends who don't suffer. Um, because some of my friends who don't suffer just don't understand it. Um, they haven't got sort of that understanding of it or they just, they play it off. Oh, you'll be okay, which can be really detrimental. Oh, it's so annoying. You know, don't worry about it. Well, that's sort of an aspect <laughs> of my personality I can't get rid of. That's not going anywhere. So I'm going to worry about it until the end of time. So. And now I'm going to worry about worrying about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I do have some amazing friends who suffer with anxiety and are really, really great in, you know, talking to me, talking, you know, like we said earlier, you know, even getting people's opinions on, do you think this is my anxiety talking or am I being unreasonable or, you know, when you're spiralling, sometimes when you do want to talk about it, those people are the best people because they'll talk to you for hours and hours and they completely get it and they'll say, oh yeah, you know they'll refer back to times in their life when they've felt that way and how they coped and sometimes that can just help or they'll just sit there and listen to you ramble on about utter you know when you come out of the anxiety spiral you go oh well that was just stupid wasn't it but at that time it's so important to you and it's the only thing you can think about it them just listening to you ramble on can be so helpful so yeah i mean it it definitely affects people um with my partner I think it's it's been a journey to say the least he doesn't suffer with anxiety and especially when we were first together 
he found it difficult when one day I could do something, the next day I couldn't do that exact same thing because my anxiety would take over. You know, for example, I couldn't reverse out of his parents' drive when I used to stay around there. And then I could do it one day, but then the next day I couldn't, and he just couldn't grasp it. But over the last six years of us being together, he's really, he's come a long way in in helping me, understanding why I can't do things certain days, you know, letting it go more, not picking a fight about it. And I've also sort of learnt to communicate better with him because... Communication is key. Yeah, it really <laughs> is. And I would say that to anybody is if you're anxious, communicate to your partner because I would snap at him and, you know, just assume that he knew I was anxious. He's my partner. Of course he would know. He reads your mind. Exactly. So I think I've learned how to communicate better and, and if I've woken up anxious or I'm feeling anxious about a situation we're going to do later, I'll say it to him and he'll be a bit more understanding and he'll, you know, hold my hand that little bit tighter. Or, oh, that's cute. Yeah, or, you know, he'll just say, do you need a day? Do you not want to go to that event? You know, he's become a lot more supportive. It's taken a long time. But he doesn't suffer, so it's it's been a journey for him as well. It's learning to cope with me and the anxiety, you know, because it's unpredictable. And, you know, when you plan events in the future and then your partner goes, oh, I don't want to go because I'm really anxious, it, it throws them through a loop because then they're like, well, my friends are going to think you're rude or, you know, yeah. that, that you don't like them because you didn't want to come. And, you know, it's definitely been a journey for both of us to cope with but I definitely think the communication thing has been really key to us and helping him understand me and me understand him and how it must affect him because it's hard to be with someone who is unpredictable and has anxiety and can do something and then can't do it and it's it must be really hard having having that to deal with every day <laughs> oh yeah I can totally understand that I mean, for me, I'm single, so I don't have a partner or anyone to worry about. But dating is something that I definitely really struggle with, having anxiety. I mean, it's hard enough just being a quote-unquote normal person dating. Oh, God. You know, meeting a stranger for the first time. I mean, Stranger danger. Stranger danger. <laughs> it's scary enough as it is. But with me, I found that when I've gone on dates with people, I've had comments that I've been really quiet and cold or like I don't seem interested in the other person because you know I'm struggling I'm really really struggling trying to just keep myself calm mm. like trying to make sure I'm breathing and that I'm not panicking or you know vomiting on them nobody wants to vomit on a first date no so they should count themselves lucky that <laughs> I'm not vomiting all over them <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry I might not be asking you all the questions you want me to ask mm. you but you know I'm not vomiting on you so that's one thing that you should be grateful for do you know what I mean but it is it is really hard and I do you know in the past I've like you know used alcohol as a crutch to like help me through it and that hasn't always worked out in the best um but, you know, I do kind of need, like, a drink or two to just calm, calm me down, really. But I've kind of, sort of over the last year, with the pandemic and everything, you know, it was, like, basically illegal to date. Yeah. <laughs> weren't allowed to go outside, for Christ's sake. So that's given me a bit of, a, you know, a bit of time to sort of think about what I want and how I want to go about it. So, you know, now I'm just sort of taking my time. I've just sort of started dating again. And um, just taking it slowly and, you know, um, 
being honest about my feelings about my anxiety like i now tell people right right from the off i suffer from anxiety like we said communication is key if somebody knows that you've got anxiety they might accept more that you're maybe a bit more quiet or a bit more you know not so talkative on that first date because you're so anxious so it is it, i think it's always better if you can and you feel like you can tell that person i have anxiety whether you're first dating in a relationship or anything yeah exactly and i think as well it's like a good thing to sort of i mean you know you don't have to disclose any mental health problems i'm not saying that at all but for me i think in a way to sort of tell them like you know i don't tell them right from the off i'm not like hey i've got anxiety you know obviously like <laughs> i'm Bernie, i have anxiety just so you know yeah exactly but you know after a little while of talking to them i do sort of like tell them and i think also it gi- then gives them the option if they want to carry on talking to me because yeah you know some people don't want to deal with that and that's perfectly fine i can totally understand that i don't think i would because there's <laughs> I, a lot to handle yeah it is and especially if you've got two bloody anxious people together. I mean, imagine. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I mean, you never go out with you. No, exactly. Barely can sit, just sit there in silence, shaking. And <laughs> but yeah, I do. I do think honesty is the best policy where dating is concerned. And you know, with sort of the guy I'm sort of seeing at the moment. You know, well, I've been on one date, but you know, I've I've been honest with him and I've said, you know, I don't like video calls. Like that's that triggers my anxiety. There's that trigger word again. <laughs> and, you know, I don't really like sending photos. And I'm not talking about naughty photos. I'm talking about just, like, selfies. <laughs> like, you know, because I just I don't feel confident. And I my brain just starts going in overdrive about mm. silly little things and stuff like that. So, you know, and so far, it's been going quite well. So I think my approach at the moment is the best way I can go forward with it and hopefully well we'll see we'll see we'll see what happens <laughs> have you ever sought any medical intervention for your anxiety um i've had counseling in the past which has really helped um and i had various different counselors some better than others and and it is sometimes i think about finding the right counselor or the right thing that works for you um and i go back every so often but i haven't been for a few years um for anxiety other than that no i haven't i've never been on anti-anxiety medication or anything um antidepressants on the other hand different story but not for anti-anxiety i've only really done the counseling which helps and i think it's important to find what works for you oh yeah definitely I mean, I've tried counselling a number of times, but I hated it. I've also dabbled in mindfulness. Didn't agree with me either. Um, I did get put on medication, which we will talk about more in depth on another episode because it's more linked with depression than anything. But it did also include anti-anxiety as well, Um, which you'll find did not agree with me either. Um, but I do think you should try a number of things and see what suits you best. You know, maybe nothing does and that's okay, but it's just about coming to terms with yourself and being able to cope with it in the way that suits you. Like, not one patch fits everyone, do you know what I mean? Oh, 100%. I think what works for one person will not work for another person because everybody's individual. Everybody's anxiety is individual, which is what we've kind of covered in this podcast so far is that 
we both suffer with anxiety, but we're very different in yeah. that way. Our coping mechanisms are completely different. Our anxiety levels are completely different. Even the fact that I'm less physical and you're more physical, like you have more physical yeah. um, show and tells and things like that. But yeah, I think you try many different things if you're struggling with anxiety because, as we said, not not one patch works for all. Um, you know, I'm a big believer in that. I think medication can sometimes worsen problems or mask problems yes, rather definitely. than you dealing with it yourself. But it is very hard to find what works for you. For me, like saying about it, I think it like it's communication. Like it's being able to say, you know, I feel anxious, and it's being able to sort of like admit that and speak to people. Like for me, like I I don't like counselling, but you know it works for a lot of people. But I'll just ring you. Yeah. And I'll speak to you. And that's my way of sort of counselling. And I know that you know what I'm talking about. You know how I feel. Even Are though you trying to tell me I'm a counsellor. Oh my god, no. <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> Do not take any advice from this woman. <laughs> but I think that you know, talking about it, whether it's with a counsellor, a friend, a family member or whatever, and and that is a good way of, you know, helping you and coping with it. Um you know and like you said i don't think medication is you know it in a, sometimes it's good but i think like you said it masks the problem rather than sort of dealing with it and i think that leads us into a society thing like now it's becoming more acceptable to talk about these things do you think that's helped do you think society is getting better with these things do you think there's more to go do you think you know that everybody's still having problems do you think more needs to be done less needs to be done what what do you think oh more always needs to be done at the end of the day you know um i think in society now and in social media and and platforms like that it's become a much more spoken about thing which is great and like you know in the workplace and things you can if you're feeling anxious or depressed or whatever you know you can ring up and say well i can't come in today because of that and i mean they can't do anything about it you know mm. whereas maybe before they you could get sacked for it do you know what i mean yeah. there's much more put in place now to safeguard people with mental health issues but like i said there's always more that can be done you know if you're looking to get a counselor you're waiting a long time for that on the nhs on yeah. the nhs yeah i mean you can do it privately of course but it's expensive it's expensive and you know just because you go to one counsellor doesn't mean that they're going to be the right counsellor for you. So then you've got to try and find another one. No, and like then... I said, you know, I've been to many different ones because not every single counsellor I've gelled with. Because it's important to trust that counsellor, to gel with that counsellor, be able to have a bit of back and forth with them. They don't just sit there and listen. They do interact with you. They help you. They give you different methods. So if you're not gelling with that person, you're not gonna you're not gonna get any benefit out of it. No. Where you know. But if you are referred on the NHS, sometimes once you've seen one counsellor, just because you don't get on with them, you could be on that referral list for ages again. Yeah, exactly. Do you find any difficulties like in your working environment with your mental health at all? Um, I, I've been very lucky in that most of the jobs that I've had, they've been understanding to my face. Um, it, you know, you do then when you come back to work after a period of time off, you can hear the whispers of, well, oh, so-and-so said this about you or the manager wasn't very happy that you didn't, you didn't come in that day. But, you know, 
anxiety and things like that do affect working life and I've had days where I just can't even leave the house so I've had to call in and and to be honest most of the time it's been met with that's okay take the time you need we'll talk again later if you want to is there anything I can do to help you know is it anything to do with work and and most of my managers in, and in all of my jobs I've been very lucky but I know it's not the same for everybody it is like you said getting better there's more to safeguard people so you don't you know you don't feel like you can't call in sick and I think it's important that if you need a day you take a day oh yeah definitely you know you can't just if you're anxious and stuff your work's not going to be what it should be no matter what field you're in your work's not going to be the same you're not going to be focused you know and it could lead to a really bad day which could spiral you and sometimes you need a day and you know I've, I've taken a few here and there I've been signed off before because of it and so it does affect your working life but at the end of the day if you need that time you need that time in my opinion but I've been quite lucky in in the respect that I've actually had people be quite supportive in my jobs that's really good so that's it for this episode thanks for listening if you have been affected by anything you've heard today please head over to our bio in instagram where there's a list of services and numbers that you can contact bye, bye.